folks, it is a big week. Week 11 of College Gridiron, alongside my partner Nick DeLuca, I'm Jimmy Sullivan. So glad you could be with us this week. Nick, obviously a lot to get into this week, but I just wanted to say it's week 11, and you know what that means. We're coming. We're coming. And we ain't backing down. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Second week I, you, in November. You just listen to him talk, and it's just <laughs> – I, I there he's he's a national treasure that Ed Orgeron and we must protect him and LSU football at all times that at all costs and all times that's that's fantastic it's a great way to open week 11 it's the game is it is the game of the century are we allowed to say no I don't think it's a game of the century yeah well it was and then they screwed it up but yeah yeah what oh. could you do? My my first exposure before we get into Alabama LSU, my first exposure to Ed Orgeron was the blind side. And <laughs> Yeah. We we were talking about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I and I watched that and it's probably like ten years ago now. And I saw him and I was like, That's an actor. No one talks like that. And then sure enough he gets to he got to USC and I saw a press conference with him at USC and I was like, Oh my god, he does talk like that. <laughs> I was like, who is this guy? It's amazing. He's a human being, let alone the coach of the number two team in America. You know, maybe not to that degree, but I sort of thought the same thing about Lou Holtz. I was oh, like, there's yeah. no way he talks like that. But again, that's, you know, we were we were younger back then, so it, it is what it is. But hey, look, talk however you want because his team's for real. So you can... You can talk however you want to describe it. You can you can be mute if you can coach a football team like that. Um, they they look very good, and the committee agrees. So that's that's fine. Lou Holtz was also in that movie, by the way. He was the yeah, coach yeah, of yeah. South Carolina, right? That that's what I'm saying. Year. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, we got two memes there, but we've got one massive game this week. It would have been a matchup of one versus two, but Ohio State was number one in the. First uh, college football playoff committee rankings. We'll have more on that later. Number two, LSU. Number three, Alabama. Bryant-Denny Stadium, Saturday afternoon, 3.30. And if that isn't enough to get you hyped, I don't know what is. LSU and Alabama, two of the best offenses in the country this year. LSU lighting it up with the best of them. They've got Joe Burrow, the quarterback, maybe the Heisman front runner, And Alabama's got questions. Tua Tagovailoa had ankle surgery. On October 20th, and they are trying desperately to get him back for Saturday. If not, it's going to be Mac Jones again, the backup quarterback for Alabama. And this is a big game. Alabama, believe it or not, comes in as a six-point favorite against LSU. And you figure, if anything, it might have been the other way around, but that home cooking for Bama, playing big with the betters. However, they have more questions than answers coming into this week, and they've got to answer some of those before the game kicks off in a little under 48 hours. I think the spread of six is entirely too high. And we were talking before the show, and I think that you agree with that sentiment. It's just these two teams are so close and they're so good. I find it hard to believe that Alabama is run. You know, that's a, that's winning, but winning by a touchdown. I don't, I don't buy that. So I think the spread is entirely too high. You look at the way these teams match up: LSU forty-six points a game, Alabama forty-eight. Total yardage, LSU four five hundred and thirty-five a game to Alabama's five oh six. We we touched on this matchup because we knew it was gonna happen in forecasting the schedule a couple weeks ago. But this is not your classic 
LSU Alabama nine to three national championship game in 2011. No, these are two teams that are going to light it up on the scoreboard. And for those who may not be as that don't pay as much close attention to college football, they may be in for a little bit of a surprise with the way these teams are going to score. But I think it's going to come down to is Tua Tagovailoa healthy? Because if he's not, I have a hard time picking Alabama. And one of the other factors that I think is important to pay attention to on Saturday is Alabama hasn't really played anybody. And LSU has, their schedule has turned out not to be as great as maybe we initially thought. But with uh, I'm speaking specifically about a Texas game that they scheduled earlier. But they did play Auburn. They did beat Auburn and, and then Florida down the line later. So I think that the experience in playing some real matchups plays to LSU favor. Now, again, it's on the road, so that presents its own set of challenges. But I think the the six-point spread is entirely too high. And if Tua Tungavailoa is not healthy, I think that LSU wins this game. So I want to read off this tweet. This is from a a guy, Nick, that you're going to be familiar with, Mike Rodak. Now works for Alabama.com, covers the Tide, used to cover your Buffalo Bills. Yes, he did. Back in the day, and I kind of forgot that he had gone down, but he tweeted out this morning that ESPN ran audio of Nick Saban talking to Tua Tagovailoa at practice this week. Saban said, one of the prerequisites to you being able to play in this game is you got to be able to outrun my ass, right? It ain't close yet. (laughs) That's that's, not good. No. That's not good. (laughs) Now, granted, he he can still do some things from the pocket because he's still such a good thrower and he can still make some plays and uh, uh, Tua Vailoa at 60%, you're going to put in there in a second for a game like this. But like you said, if he's not healthy, then, then the wild cards open up for Alabama because then well, what if it's Mac Jones or what if it's Tua but he's not healthy? And, and granted, I mean, Tua was banged up towards the end of last year, and, and that's part of why he lost to Heisman, and Alabama was still able to power through their schedule, beat a tough Georgia team in the SEC title game behind Jalen Hurts, by the way, in the fourth quarter. So it's not like if two is out, this is a, like an automatic victory for LSU because Alabama m- might still be the best team coached team in the country. But LSU comes in here, yes, as an underdog, but you know, I, I was telling you before the show, Nick, uh, I was watching a segment uh, that the guys from ESPN and ABC do after the Saturday night game. They basically get in the bus, they have a couple drinks, and then they kind of just talk. It's on Instagram. And... Uh, the Bear, Chris Faleka, who's on College Game Day, said, well, the world and the money is going to be flying in on LSU. And with that line, how could it not? I mean, that that's just a, a crazy spread. I mean, I would, I might still pick Alabama in this game, but how could you have them up by a touchdown? I mean, with everything that's transpired this year, LSU, to me, has looked like the best team in the country. And Alabama, like you said, Nick, one, who have they played? And two, they really even haven't looked like it because they, despite the fact that they haven't played anybody, I mean, they've had a couple of so-so performances, you know, in that span. I mean, granted, still big wins, but, you know, not the convincing type of games that LSU has been able to play. And both these teams coming off a bye, and that helps Alabama. And, and the other thing with Tua, he had ankle surgery. This is not a twisted ankle. This is not a sprained ankle. This is a surgically repaired ankle. So they, I, I don't know how else you can look at this, other than they are rushing him back. And dangerous things happen when people get rushed back, and that's all I'm going to say. If he comes back, he plays a great game, fine. 
what I worry about is not so much just Saturday, but down the road for Tua. Because if he comes back and isn't fully healthy and aggravates that thing and injures it even worse, then Alabama's got a big problem on their hands, and their national title hopes probably go out the window. And there's no way he plays if this isn't the LSU game. There's just no, no way. We were we were saying that if this is a game against Southern Mississippi or New Mexico State, the teams, some of the teams that are are on Alabama's schedule, there's no way he plays. But when when you're coming off of ankle surgery, not only is it can he outrun Nick Saban when he goes out there on Saturday, but he hasn't gotten the practice reps, and I don't know that that's something that people account for all the time. He he might be rusty even if he does play, and if he's really hamstrung in terms of mobility, that could create some issues because if he's not in a rhythm and he can't move, that could present a bunch of problems. But this is a huge game for both teams, obviously. But it's a bigger game for Alabama, and there's no mistake about it, right? Let's look through their schedule for a second. Duke, New Mexico State, South Carolina, Southern Mississippi, Ole Miss, Texas A&M, Tennessee, Arkansas, and now LSU. They've won all those games, and there's only one team in the top 25 on that list. That's Texas A&M at 24. If they lose this game, they're not going to their conference championship game, and you can throw the college football playoff hopes out the window because they have not beaten anyone. I would almost argue that a one-loss Oklahoma would get in over a one-loss Alabama. With that quality of schedule, Oklahoma's played some people. Oklahoma played Texas. Oklahoma played Kansas State, who's higher ranked than Texas A&M, on the road. So, yeah, I mean, as crazy as that is to say, because you also have to factor in, Bama loses this game, and assuming LSU is able to win out, Alabama ain't going to the SEC title game. It's going to probably be LSU-Georgia if LSU wins this game. And, And by the way, another interesting game, even if Alabama were to get past this, then they're at Mississippi State. They've got the cupcake game with, I suppose that's Western Carolina. Western Carolina. (laughs) It came up as WCU. I I didn't want to guess. And then Iron Bowl this year at Auburn. That is not an easy game. Auburn's a really good team. That's not, especially if Tua is not fully healthy, that is not an easy game. So there are landmines galore for Alabama. And to think that this is, oh, it's going to be Alabama-Clemson again, well, Look at the rankings right now. Bama's three. Clemson's out of the playoff right now. And and Clemson probably controls its own destiny because Penn State's ahead of them and Ohio State's ahead of them, and they're going to play each other at some point, and one of them's going to lose and Clemson's going to leapfrog them because their schedule is insanely light, even lighter than Alabama's. But, man, this is, you know, everybody talks about the SEC. You know, you have to play the toughest schedule. But I look at this, and this is... This is a desert wasteland in a schedule. This is there are no teams on this outside of maybe Texas A and M, who's really probably a year or two away from being really good again. So, Alabama, this is not the typical. Oh, okay, well if they lose, they're still in because Alabama has had games in the past, especially in the playoff era, whether that be against you know Ole Miss or whoever else in the regular season. They lost to Auburn a couple years ago to miss the SEC title game, where you like you thought, okay, there's a way for them to get back in. I don't know if there's a way for them to get back in this year. Uh, they're going to need some help. Could it happen? Yeah, of course. Can an 11-1 and Alabama not winning the SEC make it back? Of course they can. But they need more help than they have in years past, and there's no guarantee they're going to get it. And this this could be a paradigm-shifting Saturday in college football if LSU were able to win. It's a real changing of the guard and a real chance for Alabama for the first time in the playoff era to miss out. And conversely for LSU, I think if they lose this game on the road in close fashion, they still have a chance, right? They've beaten Texas, they've beaten Florida, they've beaten Auburn, and if you play Alabama close, that's about as good a loss as you can put 
on your schedule. So I think LSU would have a chance. But it's really interesting with the way that this playoff has shaken out because I don't know if we want to get into it, but it's just it's kind of frustrating for me to see continually the way the committee shifts what they're valuing and kind of, I guess, sending the message that they're just going to do whatever they want to do and that's going to be reality. But it's just kind of difficult to understand what the criteria are for ranking these teams the way they do because in some respects it seems like the strength of victory and in other respects it's, oh, who have you played and, oh, we'll give you credit for playing this team on the road and and all this stuff and who's most accomplished and and going back to last year, the Georgia-Oklahoma debate. So it's just – it's kind of frustrating for me, but it is telling, right – Alabama loses this game at three, they are – they're done. They're done. So that's why Tua Tagovailoa is coming back to play in this game, by the way. So healthy or not, here he comes because I, I he's going to play because Bama's season is on the line. And to a little bit of a lesser degree, LSU's, but Bama's season's on the line, as odd as it sounds, right? Because as good as, as they've, they've looked and as, and as good a program as they are – they haven't played anyone, and the seasons, if they lose, they're done. I'm happy you got into the committee because that's the next thing I want to get into in depth with Ohio State at 1 and LSU at 2. But let's bookend our discussion of this game, and you know, Nick, I have to hold you to this. Let's make a pick. Maybe give me a score as well if you want to. And uh, we kind of already went into why each team will win, but uh, feel free to do that as well. This is this is as difficult a, a pick as you can make because Alabama at home and Nick Saban, one of the best coaches in college football, if not the best, is difficult to pick against. But I'm going to do it. I'm going to go LSU because I don't think two is going to be fully healthy, and I think LSU's offense is as good as there is in the country. I certainly would pick them to cover the spread, but I think they win outright. It's going to be a really close game, but I think LSU wins something on the order of 38-35. That's my pick. Joe Burrow is going to get it done for the Tigers. So you're going, hold that Tiger. That's what I'm going with. <sighs> Again, They're I, coming. See, we both feel like we're doing the thing we shouldn't, and I've said that LSU looks like the best team in the country, but I've learned my lesson so many times of picking against Nick Saban when I shouldn't, and, and I know I should not do this, but it's at Bryant-Denny, and Nick Saban is still the best coach in America in my eyes, and as much as I should not do this, and as much as everything is pointing against it, whether it be health-wise or just the way Alabama has looked, I'm going to go with Bama. Um, I'm going to take them 31-28. I think people saying, oh, this game's going to be in the 40s, that might be a little overblown, but it'll be a higher-scoring game than we're used to. But I'm going to take Bama. Uh, I don't feel good about it. I think this is a 50-50 game for me. I've gone back and forth this week so many times. But final answer, Bama beats LSU, and Tua comes back and makes enough plays. I don't think he's going to play great, but I think he's going to make enough plays for Alabama to win that game and get over the hump and become the favorite in the SEC West and, and probably play Georgia again in the SEC title game. So that's what we're going with. Nick has LSU. I have Alabama. We hope you enjoy that game on Saturday. And now we want to move into the college football playoff rankings because they came out for the first time on Tuesday night, and, oh, boy, were they a doozy. I'll read you the top ten. We'll start 
at number 10. Probably not the best idea, but we'll go that way anyway. We'll go Florida at 10. One loss Oklahoma at 9. One loss Utah at 8. One loss Oregon at 7. And one loss Georgia at 6. The top five, all of these teams are undefeated. Remember, the top four make the playoff. At number five, we've got the defending national champion Clemson at 9-0. and Number four, now this would be the last playoff spot, Penn State at 8-0. And then all of the top four teams are 8-0. So then obviously from 3-1, to one, we've got Alabama, LSU, and the top team, Ohio State. I think we were both a little bit surprised to see that on Tuesday night. I think we were both expecting probably LSU and Alabama to be 1-2, if anything, just for the marketing purposes of having a game between the number one and number two teams in the land. But instead, we get Ohio State, the number one team in the country, they are not facing nearly as tough a test as two and three. They have Maryland at home this week in a game that, frankly, they should win by a lot. So Ohio State, Nick, is the team that the committee has gone with over LSU, over Alabama, over Clemson. They have looked the part this season, but I'm not entirely sold on the Buckeyes at number one. I want to get your thoughts on this as well because I was a little confused by this. Yeah, it's it's interesting to say the least, and – Look, the the statistics line up, right? In terms of the strength of schedule rankings, Ohio State is third behind only Auburn and Wisconsin. So they have the best record comparatively with the strength of schedule. So that's number one. ESPN's FPI has them above everybody else at 33.8, above Alabama at 30.3, and then Clemson at number three in 29. Look, I think that at some point it's it's semantics when you're in the, the top four, but I don't know. I, I think that LSU has played better at, at times against some stronger competition than Ohio State, whose only real win is against Wisconsin. And again, there's question about how good Wisconsin is, and I think that's, that's somewhat debatable. legitimate, especially in terms of their offense, right? So so they're kind of hamstrung on one side of the ball as well. So it, it's an interesting conversation. I don't think that the committee necessarily got it wrong there. My real issue is Penn State at four and Clemson at five. I, I think Clemson should be at number four. Uh, Clemson at Five, as you said, Penn State comes in at four. Now, Ohio State and Penn State are playing on November 23rd. That's two weeks from now. So one of them is going to drop behind Clemson, and Clemson would then assume that spot. I mean, if you look at Penn State's schedule, and again, the committee, the committee's set of values changes more than the weather, I feel like. Um, I don't think there's really a consistent mode for this. But you do have to give Penn State this. On the road, beat Iowa. At home, beat a Michigan team that I think both of us underestimated a little. Now, they're at Minnesota this week. How good is Minnesota? That's debatable, but I guess we'll find out in that game. Minnesota comes in in the playoff rankings uh, at 17, despite the fact that they're undefeated. They just haven't played anybody. And then they've got Ohio State. And then they'll have the Big Ten title game against the Big Ten West winner, whether that be you know uh, Minnesota or Wisconsin or, or even a team like Iowa if they were able to sneak in. So Penn State's played people. Um, Clemson, and, and this is, and I'm going to disagree with you on this part of it, I, I didn't have a huge issue with Penn State at four over Clemson because you look up and down Clemson's schedule, right? And, and I mean, this is, just, this, this is just insane. Georgia Tech, Texas A&M at home, at Syracuse, Charlotte, at North Carolina, game they almost lost, 
home for FSU, who we'll get into them later too because they fired Willie Taggart this week, at Louisville, home at Boston College, home for Wofford. That was last week. I thought Wofford was going to spring the upset there, but <laughs> didn't come through for me. Maybe the toughest game, toughest two games left on their schedule are the next two. They're at NC State, and then they're home for Wake Forest. And then they've got South Carolina on November 30th, a game that they should win. So Clemson has not played anyone. Now, if you want to keep Clemson in the top four just because they started the season at number one, I guess that makes enough sense. But if you were to just look at top five teams in the country right now, and and you had those five teams in the discussion, I think you're probably putting Clemson five. I, I really do. And look, you can you can put them at three, you can put them at four. If they win out, they're going to be there anyway. But one, they haven't played anybody. And two, they've kind of been up and down a little bit. And so has Trevor Lawrence. And I think that's what the committee's looking at. I didn't have the problem there. I still think LSU looks like the best team in the country, but you can make an argument at least for Ohio State. Um, but I just thought LSU, with with the way they've looked and, and also who they've played, I, I would have put them a tick above Ohio State. Um, I would have been fine with Ohio State at two and Alabama at three. I think that would have made sense. But I just think that between who LSU's played and how they've looked with that offense and Joe Burrow, the Heisman frontrunner, I would have put them at number one. But at the same time, the criteria is the four best teams. Right. So, yeah. So to me, right, if Clemson played Penn State tomorrow, who who is favored in that game? I would say probably Clemson. It's Clemson. Yeah. There's no way that Penn State is picked to beat uh, – rather, Penn State is, is picked to beat Clemson. And, and the most frustrating thing to me is I, I understand that Clemson hasn't played anybody, but who's, whose fault is that? Were they supposed to get up and leave the ACC because their, their conference isn't any good? Yeah, no, I, I, I get that. I get I, that. I just I don't understand that that logic because look, are they the most accomplished or are they the best team? Because the better the better team, the eye test tells me that Clemson would beat Penn State. So now we're going with most accomplished, except that's not what we said to begin with. That that's not the the outline that the committee uses. So okay, because if we're going most accomplished, then LSU should be number one. Yeah. Probably. Because they've had more quality wins than Ohio State. Yeah. yeah, I mean, at the end of the season, and this is my problem with the committee too, Like, it even goes back to the first year of the committee because they planted the seeds of this when going into the last week of the season, they had TCU at three. Yeah, I still remember this like it was yesterday. They had TCU at three. They had Ohio State outside the playoff, I think at five, and they had Baylor at four. I don't remember who they had at six. I don't think it mattered. But they TCU went out, and I think they played like Iowa State or somebody, somebody who was bad that year, and TCU blew their doors off. And Baylor played somebody at night. It wound up being the de facto Big 12 title game. Maybe it was Kansas State, and they won. And Ohio State blew the doors off Wisconsin that night, and that was with Cardale Jones. They won 59 nothing, and the committee put Ohio State in over both TCU and Baylor. They essentially punished them for winning. And that's kind of what's happened ever since. It's like the criteria just changes so much, and, and that's the frustrating thing against the, about the committee. Again, I didn't have a huge issue with Penn State over Clemson. I get the argument. I just think, look, I mean, Penn State's played better teams. And, and yeah, that's true. And, and look, Penn State's going to play Ohio State. This is all going to work itself out. But look, has Clemson played anybody? No. And and they're not going to play anybody until they get to the college football playoff. But and Alabama hasn't either. No, so I, so I how are that. they at totally three? Agree. You know, it's just, okay, so on paper, we would say that Alabama would beat 
Penn State. So the eye test tells us, yeah, Alabama should be at three. Well, then why doesn't the eye test tell us that Clemson would be at four? It's just, again, you probably shouldn't even get worked up about it because at the end of the day, like you said, it's it's going to work all of itself out. There will be no issue because Penn State and Ohio State will play each other, LSU, Alabama, and especially if LSU wins, I think Bama's out as we kind of outlined and and Penn State, Ohio State, the loser of that game, which we would assume would be Penn State. Penn State loses, they would definitely be out. So again, if if Clemson goes undefeated, there's there's no way they don't get into the playoff. There is just no way that a team that won a national championship the previous year, you can say that it doesn't matter. You can say that it was last year and that last year shouldn't have an impact on this year. But the idea that you would not have an undefeated national champion from the year before allowed in the playoff is preposterous. They're going to be there. It's just, I, I understand that they haven't played great, but I still am taking Trevor Lawrence, Dabo Sweeney when it comes playoff time. I don't care how they look against Mac Brown. I understand it wasn't pretty, but there's just no way come playoff time that you're telling me that, that Penn State deserves to be in there over, over Clemson after Clemson just won. They're, they're the most accomplished. They won the national championship last yeah. year. So it'll, it'll all work itself out, but uh, interesting rankings to say the least to start the season. And I got to say, I don't hate the BCS. I never really did, and um, look, the humans just throw darts at dartboards. It's going to go to eight sooner rather oh, than later. Oh, it absolutely is. And, I think look, I, I think the number is six, and I I don't know if the the two buys right. You you'd run it yeah. like the the conference playoffs in the NFL. I think six is the right number because then you're you're exclusive enough, but you're you're kind of getting in the teams that are right. Yeah. I think that six is a tough sell with the buys and the potential for three postseason games if a five or six seed were to advance and win a national title. So I think that's where we're headed. My guess is it's eight, but uh, that's that. I I, I think that it we're, we're going to see it expand sooner rather than later. Yeah, and then your debate is between number six Georgia and number seven Oregon. So good luck with that. I don't think it's going to end you know playoff controversy, if you will, but. We'll continue this conversation later in the season, I am sure, when another absolutely preposterous ranking comes out. <laughs> but um, speaking of preposterous, uh, Nick, before you came on this show last year, um, we instituted a ban on the team from, from Tallahassee, Florida. We couldn't talk about them. But, you know, in light of, of recent events, we, we've decided to, to pass that ban on to Rutgers. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> we don't talk about Rutgers anymore. Not, not that we would have. But. Um, we need to talk about FSU, and we're going to lift the ban for at least one week because FSU has moved on from Willie Taggart. Uh, two years into his run at Florida State, felt like it was probably 20 years for some of their fans. Uh. Um, this program, which was it really as recently as three years ago, one of the crown jewels of college football, um, is really... Really taking a nosedive. Uh, five and seven was FSU last year. They lost their bull streak of however many million years it was. They're four and five this year. They could very well lose out on a bowl again. This year, um, FSU, in a shockingly short amount of time, after going from Jimbo Fisher, who left Florida State for Texas A&M, which would have seemed unfathomable five, ten years ago, um, has become a dumpster fire. And Willie Taggart um, is the—I don't know what you want to call it—but he's the—he's the goat, if you will. He is the um, fall guy, 
and um, I, I, he's obviously not blameless. He he's probably one of the main culprits. Um, but FSU now goes on a coaching search where they try to bring this program back. Obviously, rock bottom was last week. That was a twenty-seven ten loss to Miami. They looked terrible. They played terrible. Um, maybe the most undisciplined team in the country. And this FSU team now has to look for a new coach, and they have to look for one who's going to bring this program back to where it was under Bobby Bowden and Jimbo Fisher. Nick, it won't be easy, but this FSU program needs somebody, obviously better than Willie Taggart, and somebody who can bring this program back to about where it was because watching this team over the past two, three years has been, quite frankly, kind of embarrassing and they've they've really embarrassed themselves uh over that time frame 21 games is not a lot of time but the fact that florida state was able to raise 20 million dollars that <laughs> yeah. quickly to uh send him on his way i think tells you more than anything i or you can say right that's that's a lot of money in a short period of time to make sure that someone doesn't have a key that works to your building anymore so <laughs> it's it's difficult right and and what's mind-boggling or the the first reaction I had to Willie Taggart being fired and then the somewhat humorous 20 million dollar price tag that was attached to it was they were willing to to fork over 20 million dollars to make sure Willie Taggart was gone yeah and yet they didn't put forth that much effort to make sure they kept Jimbo Fisher because that's where this whole thing goes south yeah. That's the problem. You had one of the best coaches in the country running your program, and he left for arguably a job that wasn't as good. Yeah. And I don't know if he wanted something new, if there was something with the boosters, if he was just there too long. I don't know. But A&M looks like they're getting somewhere. And in one or two years, I think you're going to look at that program and say, wow. And I think that's really the heart of the issue because you can blame Willie Taggart all you want, and maybe he wasn't cut out for it. He was a, a pretty rapid ascension after you know, going to Oregon and, and the whole thing. It just kind of uh, fell for him in terms of getting that job. But, man, oh, man, that's, that to me is, is just where the issue is. When you, when you, let, you don't let those coaches walk out the door. Yeah. Jimbo Fisher doesn't just walk out the door. And it, I, I, the only thing I could think of would have been the money. Was there a, was there a point where you said I don't know he's he's wants he wants too much or he's making too much? But if they're willing to to fork over twenty million and then they're going to pay the next guy who comes in and they're talking about some high profile guys, uh, Bob Stoops I think got a, a little bit of talk for that job and and they're they're talking maybe Lane Kiffin whatever you know who knows Kiffin has has made it known that he's interested right? But the point is they're going to be paying a lot of money to both Willie Taggart not to coach and whoever's going to coach them to coach. So it just blows my mind that Jimbo Fisher, the guy that if he was available right now, you'd say that's the, that's the best coach on the market. That's the slam dunk. They, they let him walk out the door. So, you know, it's unfortunate and Willie Taggart didn't get it done. There's no two ways about it. But at the same time, the issue is with Florida state and the administration and the, and the football department there, because Jimbo Fisher just can't walk out the door. Yeah. That's the issue. It's not Willie Taggart. It's not who comes in after Willie Taggart. It's you had a prime head coach in, in the sport of college football, and you did not make enough of an effort to keep him, and that's why your program's where it is. 
Yeah, and you know Willie Taggart to me falls in the category of guys like Charlie Strong, really good guys go to big program, doesn't work out. Uh, I think it, I think it's very similar to that. Um, and he ran a tight ship at FSU off the field because they did have some issues off the field, and he got those guys going to class and they raised their APR, but. That was about the only good thing he did because, I mean, on the field, the product was awful. I, this guy this guy really felt like he was doomed from day one. I mean, their first game last year against Virginia Tech, they laid an egg, and you thought, oh, boy. And by the way, Virginia Tech is is no, you know, they're, they're not near where they were um, under Frank Beamer in any way whatsoever. It's not like Fuente's doing a great job over there. But um, you, you go from that game and, <laughs> unbelievably, you go down. And, and again, a proud program, but... You know, it's just I I think it's it's again like you said. You know, you let Jimbo Fisher walk out the door, but now the discussion has to move to who's the guy. And by the way, this this went beyond Willie Taggart. You know, he had Kendall Bryles as the offensive coordinator. That didn't work out, obviously. And and look, this is not just one guy. You know, programs don't succeed or fail because of one coach. But. FSU's got a chance here to turn this program around. Now, the name that was on the top of the list from the athletic department down there was Bob Stoops. Bob Stoops is obviously going to be one of the head coaches in the XFL uh, next year. Doesn't sound like that's really realistic at this point. Kirk Herbstreit said he talked to him, and he said, look, it's not going to happen. So then the next name on the list went down to P.J. Fleck, the head coach of Minnesota. Well, what did P.J. Fleck do this week? He signed a seven-year extension. Okay, that's not happening. So your two two of your top names off the market. Um, now could they go out and make a splash and and try to lock up a guy like an Urban Meyer? Yeah, that's not out of the question at all. But you know, at, at some point you got to be like, okay, hey, we got to get somebody to get these people excited. And you know, nothing against him, but is a guy like Mark Stoops going to do that? Because that's the name that's been circulating the most in the last couple of days. You know, is he going to do that? I mean, look, he's a good coach. We know he's a good coach because of what he's done in Kentucky, but that's just not it. I mean, you, you have to get somebody down there who gets what it's about. Bobby Bowden got what it was about. Jimbo Fisher got what it was about down there. Football is different in the Southeast. And could Mark Stoops be that guy? Yeah, because, you know, he's coached at Kentucky and he gets the region. But will that get the boosters and the fan base energized enough back to where it was five and ten years ago and in the proud, you know, glory days of Bobby Bowden? Probably not, and that's the dilemma facing Florida State. They have to choose between, one, getting the best coach, and two, going out there and kind of making a splash because Willie Taggart, one year at Oregon, 7-5, and five, I don't care. That's not a splash, um, especially after a guy like Jimbo Fisher who won a national championship, leaves and walks out the door. And, and it starts with the recruiting, but you can recruit down there. Sure. Oh, of um, course. You know, Jameis Winston went to Florida State, and Kelvin Benjamin, you know, two first-round draft picks. Jameis Winston, a first overall guy. So you can certainly recruit, and you can build a big-time program there. I got to say, if I'm Urban Meyer, I'm, I'm not really interested. Not with where that program's at. I think that even USC might be in a little bit uh, more more solid ground if he could come in there right away. Um, I would also be interested to see if potentially if Urban Meyer makes it clear that he'd be interested in coaching. I would be um, I would look at Notre Dame if I were Urban mm, Meyer. And really? I, I would wonder if, if Notre Dame would be would consider making a change with with the uh, notion that they would then hire Urban Meyer. But we'll we'll see again. I just I don't think Florida State's that attractive uh, of a destination right now. The, the program is in really tough shape. And look, you, you can recruit there. 
because it was done and it, and it wasn't it wasn't too far you know they're, they're not too far removed they won a national championship in was it 2013 13 yeah. right so so there were recruits coming there six years ago so it could be done I just think that they're really in a rough shape right now with a school that's probably really pressuring them to win now as opposed to you might get a little more leeway at a USC or at Notre Dame if you're Urban Meyer you'll you'll have the requisite resources and pieces in place already to really try and build upon the infrastructure and then really take it to another level but that that beats anything that's at Florida State right now this will be my last thought before we get out of here for the week and into another great week of college football. This sport is better when Florida State is better. Florida State-Miami in the 80s and the 90s was one of, if not the best rivalries in this sport, and I would love to see both of those programs back near the top. Miami's got a pulse. I don't think they're great, but they're at least, they at least kind of have a direction, and Manny Diaz probably seems like the right guy for that job. Florida State needs to find that guy, and um, I hope they get back up towards the top of this sport because I think it's infinitely more intriguing when they are. Um, But that'll just about wrap it up for us here. Once again, to reiterate our picks on the game of the week, Nick has LSU. I have Alabama. One of those teams will stay undefeated this week. The other possibly falls out of the college football conversation. Should be a great week. We're coming. College football. We're coming, Alabama. We're coming. And we ain't backing down. Go Tigers. (laughs) Go Tigers. Hold that tiger. For my partner, Nick DeLuca, I'm Jimmy Sullivan. So long from the Bronx. Thanks for listening.